irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. studio and star Idaho comes LA talk radio's favorite show the writer's block starring Bobby Jean Bell Russ Avison and your host Jim Christina who is talking to you now so welcome to Thursday another Thursday and hey it's uh gonna be a wonderful show tonight we have such a great guest good evening Bobby Jean Good evening, Jim Christina, sitting there in his studio in the commander's booth. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so great to have you with us, Jim. It just always is so great to have you. <laughs> oh, I, I just, well, you know, I, I, as we talked before, I'm just thrilled and delighted to be back. And uh, on the air for sure, but just to be back, mm-hmm. you know, out of the hospital. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Yay. So anything exciting? Oh, fires. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, California is kind of on fire, isn't it? Um, like be gone in a week. It's very, uh, very scary. And we have family in Las Vegas, and they've got lots of smoky sky. Right. At least you know, a couple days ago, pictures of ash falling. I mean, firing in California affects more than California, of course. Of course. And um, it just, we've just, I don't know, we've ever seen anything quite like it. Well, I think it's even made outer space smoky. Wow. I mean, ha- I, it's just, if you look at the West Coast, it's just like one big smoke cloud. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. horrible. But so far, it's managed to stay out of Idaho, and it can, as far as I'm concerned. I did the fire thing when we lived <laughs> in California. We, we so did it, didn't we? We and did. You did- you know, um, our guest tonight, we're going to be talking some about horses. And I know that where these fires are, there are such efforts to um, not only get people evacuated safely and horses. all, but it's also about horses and livestock and right. and other kind of animals. Um, so we're just um, just holding them up in our prayers. I, I Yeah, I mean, uh, you got cattle, you got to move. I, I just don't think they have the transportation abilities just to move all that to livestock. So I just, I, I mean, I wonder what's going on. So now our fingers crossed and, you know, hopefully. I, I, I just been looking forward all week. To, I mean, It is and and it is so good. It's like one of those you can't put down. Mm-hmm. And for me, I had to reread parts of it again because it just it shares so much humanity 
and shares so much of this ability. And uh, she is a horse trainer from from uh, New Mexico. She lives on the Rio Grande River. Um, she is I I in New Mexico. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and after tonight, around the. what she does and please welcome to the writer's block for uh, not her first interview or her billionth interview but the first time on the writer's block with her first book please welcome uh, and welcome 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 ginger gaffney hey thanks for having me I'm excited to oh, be here it's wonderful having you i just I, I couldn't come up with any better opening <laughs> And thanks, Ronan. We finally got the clap. <laughs> and so, and oh my God, the writing is just phenomenal. Your descripting, your descriptions are just spot on. Uh, I know, of course, I don't know these people, not, never having been in the ranch, but uh, they're, uh, you, they're, I mean, you can see them when you're reading and you're describing them. You virtually can see them. Can you not, Bobby? Oh, Absolutely. We're talking um, about your book, Half Broke. And um, yeah, you just put us right in the midst of it, right, Jim? And the way she describes really? the landscape, the landscape, the the scenery, the the temperature, the the dust, the round pen. I mean, every every bit of it, you just feel right. like you are immersed in Ginger's life with the residents of um, where she's working and the horses that she's yes. working with. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, you can see that riding in the Arroyos, having done that for so many years, I, I, I could just visualize it. Um, the flash floods with watching the, the, the copper dirty water churn as it goes by. It's just like, it's just like, wow. You know what? Congratulations. Ginger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, gosh, you guys. You're really gushing. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've been doing this over five years, and very rarely do we ever gush about a book. Oh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we like, no, no, we, we like a lot of books. We, we do. We uh -huh. like a lot of books. We talk, we've talked about books for over five years, yeah. but we very rarely ever gush about a book that's, that's come yeah. across our desks. And this one is, is gush worthy, let me tell you. Yeah, and then we want to gush so much that we, we have to remember to have you say something. <laughs> right. I, I We could go for an hour now and talk about just how cool of a book this really is. But, Ginger, why, why, take a few minutes, if you wouldn't mind, and share with our listeners, um, which are plentiful at this point, um, how this book, well, what this book is about and how it came to be. Okay, well, okay. yeah, sure. And it's a memoir um, uh, about my time. So I'm a horse trainer, 25, 27 years now as a horse trainer. And about seven years ago, I got a phone call like I do a lot about some people having some trouble with their horses. But this phone call came in from this uh, alternative prison that is right across the Rio Grande from my home, which I had known about, but I, I didn't know much about it. I knew it existed, uh, but I had never been inside the walls. It's a 17-acre facility. It houses about 120 men and women. All of them are um, finishing out their prison term on the ranch. They're sentenced there. They go before a judge, and, uh, and then they interview to come to the ranch. 
And so many of them have been in prison. Probably like 90% of people have come from prison or jails. So it's either a federal crime or a state crime that they're there for. They're multiple offenders. They're not the the one-timers. Um, and many, many, many have uh, drug addiction issues. Um, they also have trauma and abuse in their past as well as uh, poverty and um, race, race-related issues like most people uh, at the ranch are, are are mixed race, either Hispanic or his, uh, Latinx or Native American and uh, and mixed blood Native American. There's a f- maybe 10% Anglo, as we say here in New Mexico. So anyhow, they called me because they have about at that time about 10 horses, and they were um, had heard that there were people that were being injured by the horses. I also heard that the horses had been injured. Um, and so I didn't know what to, to think about it, um, so I decided to just to go. And um, that's where the book starts. It starts in March 2013 for my first arrival onto the ranch, uh, meeting the horses and meeting the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and from there, um, wow, you go through a lot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've got horses that are throwing people right and left. And, you know, I, it, it amazes me because you very rarely ever hear. Um, you hear about dog trainers doing this, about talking about don't train the dog, train the owner, train the human. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's kind of the same, the same ilk with horses. If, you, if you're not, if you're afraid of the animal, they absolutely know it. Yeah, and, and they yeah. will do what they can to get in your way, stop you, turn on you, bite you, um, unless they know you're in charge. Yeah, exactly. And and nobody over there was in charge. You know, you have 120 uh, very troubled people on a ranch where the horses are basically running pretty loose over there. They 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 run them into the shelters at night, but during the day they roam the they basically roam the property. And here you have these people walking across the property carrying um, food and garbage and things like that. And the horses had started to learn to chase them and uh. knock them over and knock the garbage out of their hands and grab a piece of Wonder Bread and run off with it. And these are the things I started to see and started to hear about when I first got there, that the horses had no respect for the people and the people had no skills. Right. Um, so it, it was, um, it was just like being on the moon. As I say, I say <laughs> this is like, it was like being on the moon or a different planet and the horses were in charge and we are here to serve them. Right. <laughs> right. I, you have one scene in, in your book where you, we have a, a convict that's a big, rough, tough dude that thinks he's like God's gift. He's 250 pounds, six foot three. His name is Randy. And you have you have him go into the trailer and take a horse out, and back back her. I would say a female, a mare, back her out of the trailer. Well, knowing all along that this horse is actually going to watch him like a hawk, and if he does, if he doesn't, you know, clean his stuff up, we're going to have problems. Yeah. And and yeah. Randy is like he's scared to death. He's scared to death, but he's also like got this fake bravado that I right. see a lot at the ranch, you know, where they're just like pumping their fists and acting really tough in front of their right. front of their brothers. But but they're scared, and you know, until it so, comes time to do it. Yeah, and, and exactly. then he said, "You want me to do what?" Yeah, <laughs> it's like get in the trailer and back the horse out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. It's real simple. Untire it. Rack Starts to hyperventilate. You know, he <laughs> he actually like kind of starts hyperventilating and then finally gets the horse out. And by the time he ties it to the trailer, um, he has to like he's down on his knees. He's like exactly. He screen. collapses and all his buddies are clapping him on the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good for him. I mean, it was a breakthrough moment for him, and it was also a breakthrough moment for like the other men because right. nobody really like really. There was this brotherhood, but nobody really trusted Randy. They all knew he was just kind of bluster, all bluster, and he wasn't all that honest with himself or with anybody else. And the, and the truth is, like over at the ranch, they're they're really trying to become better people. And so when they have a, a, a somebody around them, a resident that's not really breaking through or is not even really trying to, kind of holding on to their old patterns, their old prison yeah, patterns. Yeah. You know, they're kind of uh, they're all on the outside, and so Randy was. He was a hard one to work with, but he he kind of step by step he kind of broke through all his own patterns. But it was like I couldn't do that to that man. The horses had to be the example for him. Well, I know. I think, but that's the truth with all of it is that the animals had to do it to them. They had yeah. to teach them. It's like you keep pounding into them. And and one thing one one theme that runs through the whole book, and I I really appreciated that, was the fact that you keep telling them, think of what the horse is looking at. Think yeah. about what the horse is seeing when you're approaching the horse. Think about that. What is he looking at? Is that horse looking at somebody who's going to hurt him? Going to pet him? Going to do what? They don't know. They, I mean, they don't know from nothing. Yeah, so, and so there was this theme of like of that, of them having to think outside of themselves. Right, right. And, and, you know, with, with addiction and with um, trauma, it it gets blocked, you know, you get kind of stagnated in time. And so, so many people at the ranch are really still struggling with their trauma and their experiences both in prison and before in childhood. And they are pretty, and, and as you're, if you're an addict, you learn how to just think about yourself. Right. And so here they were, they had to think about the horse. They, they right. couldn't just think about themselves anymore. And I think that was why it worked so well. Exactly, and and that the animal needs to trust you before it will do anything for you. Yeah. And um, if the horse trusts you that you won't hurt it, then then you got it. Then you got a, a thing going. Now you can train yeah. your horse. Yeah, and, and, I, the, I, and then the trust the trust part is interesting because nobody trusts these people. Right. So when they Not, finally broke through to to earning some trust, you would have thought they'd won the lottery. You know, that they were walking around telling me, he trusts me, he trusts me. And like, I'm like, yeah. And, it, and I realized now, you know, over time, it was like, nobody's ever trusted him. You know, never, never trusted right. that guy before. This right. first living thing that's ever trusted him. So right. it, it was amazing on many levels because they had to, like, had to get the language to have the horse language. Uh -huh. But then when the horse when the horses started getting on the same page with them, that's really kind of when they they transformed a lot right. of the residents. Yeah. Right, and you talk about so many things that are familiar to so many people who have trained horses before, um, moving them moving them sideways, moving them forward, um, making sure that they understand by 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 visual contact what they what you want from them. And and it's just amazing. I mean, your 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 book is totally amazing. And and if you want to learn about training horses, um, this is partly the way to start. Is read Ginger's book because she has a lot of good good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I, and, I, and and I kudos. 
I didn't really like set out to write a horse training book. Um, it was like so much of of what I was witnessing was so moving, and it, uh-huh. you know, stories just kept coming out of me from what I you know was what I what I lived through. Um, but what was interesting was trying to write my <laughs> try try to put in words what I know from the inside of my body, like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that that whole horse training thing is inside my body. I don't necessarily have to talk about it a whole lot with people right but when you're writing a book you and you want it to be more than for just horse people you really have to write it so i don't know it was very that was an interesting process to make what i do every day come alive on the page and right i just kept it really simple i just kept it in the present and in the physical details and uh it seems to have it seems to have moved a lot of people well, it's people are enjoying your book, and and actually, the people that you taught are probably enjoying their lives a little bit more now. They are. They really are. There's there's, a, there's plenty of people from my from our horse program that are doing quite well. Uh-huh. You know, they're out. They're out off the ranch. They're out. They've finished their term, and they're out being citizens. Even going to vote in this next election, and they're all excited about that. Oh, um, there's excellent. Not like one hundred. Not one hundred percent. Uh, you know, a happy story. I've lost some people. Some sure. people have passed away, um, but there's plenty that are really thriving. Not just uh, not just getting by, but really thriving. Excellent. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break here. This is LA Talk Radio. You're listening to the Writer's Block, and we're going to be listening to a brief word from LA Talk Radio. Hi, Jim Christini, your host for The Writer's Block, right here on LA Talk Radio. And this is just a reminder that while everybody's locked down with this COVID-19, working from home, getting bored, you do have an option, and that option is to go to www.latalkradio.com. See, as a .com, we've got it all from music, sports, self-help, Hell, we even have talk. So why don't you tune in during the day while you're working and listen to what our great hosts and great shows have to say. And just a reminder, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, is the Writer's Block, brought to you by L.A. Talk Radio. So have yourselves a great time, stay safe out there, and remember, latalkradio.com. And, of course, uh, our show is now no longer at 7. It's now at 6 p.m. Pacific. And I have been remiss in getting that ad redoed, but I will get it done. Um, or Bobby Jean can do one too. I know. Every time you say that, I think, oh, I'm supposed to do one. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. It's 7 18. We're on the air with uh, Ginger Gaffney, and we're talking about her book, Half Broke, um, the story of how she went into the ranch in New Mexico and taught uh, the convicts there um, a little bit about life using the horses and taught the horses a little bit about convicts, I'm sure. <laughs> you know? Um, Linda, or Linda, uh, Ginger, this, now your program there um, is different than the convict program in, say, um, uh, Nevada and California. Yes, it is. It's actually a, uh, I don't mention it in the book, but it's actually Delancey Street Foundation. And Delancey Street is in L.A., they're in San Francisco, and they're in about four other locations around the country. And here in New Mexico, is their only rural property, the only property where they are outside of an urban area. Um, so if people are interested and already know about Delancey Street, because Delancey Street's been in place for since 1970s, um, and it's a wonderful organization. So the place where this whole book takes place is actually Delancey Street Foundation in New Mexico. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very, very different. 
that uh, people, people, there's, um, there's no guards, there's no staff, there's no counselors. It is completely um, peer run, as they say. You know, people who all, everybody who is on the ranch, who lives there and who works there, they're all people who are in recovery and who've been either in jail or prison and are spending their term, some of their term out on this ranch. Some people decide to stay longer than others. Like once their term is up, they stay uh, to be able to be of service to the new people. So it's 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 worth looking up Delancey Street to find out more about this organization because it's a really good alternative um, to incarceration. And it's not the horses there were there uh, not the same horses, but when they bought the place um, here in New Mexico, the uh, the ranch. It was like a, a Hollywood couple who owned it who'd gone bankrupt, and there were horses on the property. And so it's just been a tradition for since the 70s to have horses on the property. But, but what they didn't have a tradition of is anybody who really knew much about horses. Uh-huh. And so they've been winging, winging it with horses for a long time, uh-huh. and they still are. They're still kind of winging it with horses. Um, and the model, the model is uh, what they call each one, teach one. For Delancey Street, where the newcomers come in, and the people who've been there longer teach them all the new skills, and they're they're self-sufficient, meaning they don't take any government money. So they have all their own industries, like they have a, a, a woodworking shop, they have a catering business, they have a, a moving company, they have all these other industries that support them, um, and therefore they can make up their own rules. They don't have to go by any government guidelines necessarily. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it kind of creates a really unique environment, definitely creates a new unique environment. And it took me many years to figure out what was what, like, well, how was this place run? and What's going on here? Um, that's been seven years. I, I've, I was helping them all the way up into COVID and I haven't seen them since COVID. But so I have a real sense of what is what over there now. But um, if you're uh, if your listeners are interested in some alternative to incarceration, Delancey Street Foundation is something worth uh, looking up. Huh. Now this is not the old Imus Ranch, is it? Nope, it's not. No. Okay. No. no. Yep. We're further north, and between uh, Santa Fe and Taos, halfway, just about mm-hmm. on the Rio Grande. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bobby Jean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to lock you out of all this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's no worries. <laughs> I'll just gush, you know, you just get gushing from me. Um, uh, Ginger, this, again, is, you know, such a, a terrific book. One of the things that comes out across very clearly is um, you have a wonderful ability to really see what you're looking at and um, you share very personal um, stories in this book about yourself. And that's partly why it is a memoir. And we'll probably talk about this more when we kind of get into process, but you, you see so much more than you may speak. Um, And that has a lot to do with your ability, I think, to work with the horses. One of the things that you teach us, the reader about, is even how to look at someone. And you talk about um, recognizing someone with an addiction and that you're looking at the addiction and you want to see past that. Or you talk about how 
people's bodies um, can tell volumes more than their words. Do you want to, it's a real skill that you have that, um, that you, you develop as a youngster that obviously goes with you through life. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Sure. Um, I think any, uh, any person who's an introvert, cause I'm a kind of an extreme introvert and I didn't speak until I was seven years old and it was always um, animals that uh, were the only th- living things that I would actually make a sound towards um, when I was younger. So I sort of gravitated towards animals. But I appre- appreciated, like, my whole family. I think I consider them all animals on some level. <laughs> and so I watched, I watched them really carefully as a young child all the way through into my 20s and 30s. I pretty much am a watcher. I, I witness people, and I'm very aware of of space. Maybe too much aware of space between things. When I walk into a building, I'm or a, a, say a restaurant, I'm really aware of the space between the front door and the far corner, and um, where where a, a safe space for me might be. And I, right now, it's a really interesting time to be in mm-hmm. uh, with COVID because mm-hmm. I feel so much relief from space and, and, and the pressure of being in spaces with people. Mm-hmm. And I grew up just hyper, hyper alert about all of those things. It, it makes me a really good horse trainer, you know. Um, it doesn't make me a really great, like, human being, but <laughs> it makes me a good horse trainer. Uh, you know, it, it's because I don't have a, a lot of the social skills. I know I'm, I kind of come off sounding maybe like I do when I'm doing some interviews, but, you know, I just sort of have to buck it up and do it, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. now. And uh, when I, the only uh, hesitancy, my editor from W.W. Norton, who published this book, the only hesitancy he had was whether I would be able to talk about the book and go, you know, go public and talk about the book when it came out. And so that was the one thing that hinged on them, like publishing or not, was whether I could, like, get it, get it together and be able to talk about the book because I am such a, an introvert and I would rather write write about things than actually physically say the words. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that that whole thing about being able to see, um, I just I think I that's the only way I feel safe is when I take in my surroundings in a deep deep way and I'm I'm a very kind of cautious person when I go out in public. So I'm pretty much more like a like a like a wild dog or or you know a feral dog. You know I'm a little shy, shy of all the noise and all the sounds and all the people and all the the spatial boundaries that are being broken. And now with COVID, it's so peaceful out there for me. <laughs> 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 and, and, um, so you know it's interesting. It's a very interesting time for me. People mm-hmm. ask me that too. You know, like this must be this must be good for you a little bit. And it's not good in that hard way of COVID, but to have a little break from the noise of humanity, because I, I, I hear and I see so much. Uh-huh. And so when I, when I started writing about things, just I just had to write from my perspective. My perspective is that, that I, I have a language of movement. Movement is the, the language I hear the loudest, either it be a person or an animal they have so much gesture and so much signage for me when I'm around them. And then I had to layer that into the book 
you know, I had to find a way to put that to words of the way I see the world, you know. One of the things that you wrote um, is that books are often our teachers, and you had a teacher, you had Bob, and um, and Bob introduced you to your first horse, Belle, and um, it was, you know, you, you were not yet a horse trainer. How did... Um, how did Bob impact your life? Well, I was living in North Carolina, and Bob was a, he's a retired brick mason, and he had the farm next to the uh, our, our place. And um, I used to hike over there, and, uh, and I met him one day. I was walking my little, my little dog, and his big lab came ch- charging up against my little dog, and that's how I, I met Bob. He's <laughs> such a southerner. You know, working class, beautiful man, uh, World War II veteran, and we just got along from the beginning. In right then, when his dog Bud came up and tried to kind of take over my little dog Miss P, he said, "Let's put him in the jeep. Let's put him in the jeep and go for a ride." You know, and it was like from the moment I met him, he changed my life because I'd never met somebody so open and interested, and we were from such different places. I was from New Jersey. He's from southern, southern, very southern roots in North Carolina. And um, we had such different views of the world, but we could spend hours and hours. And he was a storyteller, but he's a lover of horses. And it was through Bob that I really got the courage up to get my first, first horse. And it wasn't like he was some fantastic, well-known trainer. He was exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. He was just down to earth and and we did so many. There's more stories that I need to write about Bob because of all the things we did together. He's he's kind of a catalyst in the book because he he's the the man that gave me the courage to get this pretty difficult horse that I ended up getting um, and having you know for like 30 years. Uh, but yeah, you never know where your teachers are going to come mm-hmm. from. And mm-hmm. nope, you don't. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, and he he was mine. He was my teacher forever. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with that, we're going to take another break. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio, The Writer's Block, and we will be live with Out West right now. Readers Wanted want tonight's featured title. you got to have this book, Half Broke by Ginger Gaffney, or any books by Writer's Block featured authors. Easy, one-stop shopping that supports independent booksellers and Out West Shop. When you purchase books, through our bookshop.org affiliate website, www.bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash Outwest Shop. Click the Writer's Block book list for recent titles and find the podcast link to the interview. Explore all our other categories too and go to the Outwest Shop Facebook page. We post about book titles almost daily. Remember... With a good book in hand, it's always a great day out west. It truly, <laughs> truly <we're> is. <laughs> and we are back live with our guest tonight, Ginger Gaffney. You're listening to LA Talk Radio's The Writer's Block. I am Jim Christina, and you just heard Bobby Jean Bell give her rendition of Out West. <laughs> it's, now, it's now 7.30, and I just want to say that Every book that we talk about on this show, be it uh, Half Broke or any other book that we we mention on this program, are all available um, through Amazon and uh, affiliated online booksellers. So if you look for a book, 
go there first. Um, but if you can't find them, make sure you look for your little bookstores around town too. Let's see if we can't get them up and running as well. Okay, we're back. Okay, Ginger, I we told you that we were going to do this, and now we're going to do it. Now, I I I heard you say that you just weren't very good at talking, and you weren't very good around people. And <laughs> now I just listened to about six and a half minutes of you answering one question. <laughs> So we we try to we try to phrase our question and our phraseologies so it makes our reader, our writers very comfortable so they do talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so right now I'm going to ask you about your process. Um, when you sit down to write, do you write um, consistently or do you do you hit and miss? Uh, are you a pantser? Are you an outliner? How how do you how do you do your your, your writing? I don't outline at all. Um, and, you know, my regular, my, my full-time job is the horse trainer, which is, we're talking sure. about is super physical and super tired. So I have to, have to have some energy to sit down and write. Often it's, uh, I have to have the day off. And so I'm, right now I have three days off a week. So I'm writing about five to six hours during those three days. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't write at night cause I'm usually too tired. I'm, uh, just that's just get, goes along with being a horse trainer, I think. But when when something starts to roll, like uh, and that's often, then you really can't keep me from writing. So I can get up early before I go off to horse training, and so this book kind of just rolled out of me. Um, and so I have there's different patterns. There's not just one, and I, there's the one that you do as a writer to keep yourself going and you, a little bit of a practice. And that's the one that I do three days a week when I don't have anything rolling. And then there's the one that happens when I've got something that just can't stop coming out of me. And that's mm-hmm. almost an everyday event. Um, uh, I don't outline, like I said, uh, pretty much a stream of, stream of consciousness. I try not to stop myself in my first drafts and don't get too critical and don't too much edits. I have this, I loved when I know something's, I just told uh, my partner, Glenda, that uh, I think I'm getting ready to write something here pretty soon. And she says, why? And I think I feel like I'm going to cry all the time. Mm. And that, that's sort of my sign is when my emotional levels get really high. Mm-hmm. And so right now I've been working on another book and I'm getting re- ready to get into a, it's It's actually a novel, but it's based on some real people's lives. And so it's pretty emotional, too. Um, so I, I'm starting to get a little bit revved up about that. But that kind of gets in the way of life because you can't sit around and cry all the time and go no, to work. You can't. So, you know, <laughs> and uh, for Half Broke, I cried, I sometimes cried with my horse clients. I would cry when I was in writer's groups. And I'm not a crier, really. Like, I'm not a big crier. But um, so, so I know something's coming. You know, I, right. I feel something bubbling underneath. Right. And that's a pretty unusual thing for a writer is that you have to rely on your emotional state to, like, get into the, the to the writing state. But that's true for me. I have to be really engaged emotionally. Right. Um, and that's the best best writing that comes out of me is when I'm engaged emotionally. Well, it also comes across in your writing. Um, the reader, your readers can feel your emotion coming out of you. And and feel it hit the page. And when when we're reading it, as I as I told Bobby and I, I spoke earlier that is that I went back and reread the last quarter of your book because there's so much going on, and and so much um, 
was happening in, in the last quarter of that book, people were getting out of jail and horses were finally, you know, dealing with their people and the people were finally dealing with their horses. And, and then comes root beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great little horse. Oh my God. What a great little horse. I, I mean, the scene where you're at almost like a Jim Connor and you're dragging the parachute and also the wind comes up and the parachute takes off and you're thinking, Holy crap, I'm going to take a dump. You know, this yeah. horse never done this before. And Root Beer no. just kept, kept her head down and just did her job. And it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's a little tiny thing, too. Just a little little rescue horse. He was a the horse shelter here in Santa Fe has a 100-day horse challenge every year. And this was the first time they had it. And I was invited to do it. And I didn't really want to do it. I was busy enough with everything else. But I decided to do it with the residents from the, the prison alternative ranch. So we took on a, a, a rescue horse that uh, almost died about three years prior to. Her brother died of malnutrition, and her mother made it, and she made it. And her name was Root Beer. And we took her on for a hundred days, all of us, at the rentition. And that's what um, we're talking about is that one, at the competition, you sort of have to show off a little bit. And I was dragging this, this colorful, like, uh, parachute like thing behind me and in practice it was just staying on the ground i mean i've been practicing it we, we all been practicing it for a, a couple of weeks and then the day of the competition the thing just took off and it became a parachute <laughs> behind me and of it course was like that's I what it's going to happen parasailing on horseback you know so <laughs> it was funny uh, your 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 last your last page um, last, actually, a couple pages of your book before you went to acknowledgments um, was was amazing in, in in that the horse that nobody could ride, nobody could even deal with, was now standing still, being saddled and being mounted. And in your heart, you knew that she would stand still and it would be great. Yeah, and that, that to me was wonderful, wonderful. It way to end your story. Yeah, um, it it yeah. came it, it, that guy the guy and the horse came full circle, which is phenomenal. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful horse. Uh, really troubled horse. It was the one that had the the worst injury. So it was right. the horse that took the longest to trust people again. And uh, if I had to take a little hiatus from being over there because I had gotten really sick and I was gone for almost eight weeks. And when I came back, they surprised me with with her you know that was they surprised me with all the work they've been doing with her without me there and right. uh, they finally mm-hmm. finally had gotten her to trust them and be gentle enough that she could take her first ride mm-hmm. and right. they did that all without me you know? right i, I mean i it's it's wonderful your thoughts when you're standing there watching and put bit the horse and slip the head stall over his head and buckle it down and you're thinking yeah. holy crap that's never happened before <laughs> That horse has never had that before. Wait a minute. Get a halter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Ginger, did you anticipate when you first sat down and started writing that that so much of your story would become part of this story in such a way that it would be, you would actually put memoir, half broke, half broke a memoir in the title? Um, it, good, good question. I... You know, in uh, I, would, I, I got my MFA while I was writing this book, and there's this big discussion in the book world about what's nonfiction, what's memoir. 
you know, um, and I, I, I didn't really want this book to be about me. I, I didn't think I had that interesting of a life. So I felt like what I was doing with these horses and people that they're a lot of way more interesting than me. And that was my, that was the way I was at least telling myself that because I was afraid to put myself mm-hmm. in the book. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't really want to be one of the people who wrote a book about all the awful things that happened to me in my life. And I, I didn't see myself that this book never felt like that to me. But over the, the time of writing it, one teacher after the next teacher that I went through, and then finally the editor at Norton, just everybody just kept uh, trying to pull out my story. So my part and my story, the things that are in this book about me, were the last things that I wrote. Uh-huh. And and then I had to put them into a time frame. So there's there's a little bit of going back and you'll we're at the ranch for most of this book, but then there's times where you go back into my life. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. I I think it I think it works. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, lots of people have said it really does. Really makes the book work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a perfect example of writing and then inserting where it needs to go, and you get a yeah. feel of where it needs to go. It's I mean, it's a terrific job. I just can't say enough about this book. But right now, we have a question we need to ask you. Uh-oh. The name of this radio show is The Writer's Block. Yeah. Have you ever had writer's block when you were writing this? And if you did, how did you get out of it? I'm really sorry to say that I never had writer's block about it. <laughs> so I don't I don't really get writer's block. Uh, I, I can always find... I can always, I can always write, you know, you put a, like, put a prompt, a writer's prompt in front of me, and I could probably write a book about the prompt. I get excited about writing, um, so I don't really get stuck. But the the thing that I think that happens with writer's block is that you're trying, as a writer, you might be trying too hard to write about whatever you think you should be writing about instead of what, what is coming through your sort of unconscious feed that is kind of like you're shutting that off that unconscious feed that's trying to loop through your body and give you something you're stuck on what it is you think you should be doing i don't i don't kind of do that i I, not yet anyhow i hope i never do and the other thing is i don't put a lot of pressure on my writing i Uh you know i think one of the things about writing is uh i don't know what it's going to be like for the second book but you know it's such a it's such a a gift to write, and I, I'm so sad that we have to like think about writing just as a publishing end, because writing is like the way to live life is to 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 be able to write down some creativity into your life. Sure. So I just writing for me is a creative outlet. Um, it's not a, necessarily always about trying to write. What I, mean. right. I don't have that pressure, you know. So that's well, what you. writer's block comes from, is pressure yeah. from people. Pressure, Your sure. internal pressures on yourself. Sure. Well, I thought when I retired, I was going to have more time to write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busier now than I've ever been. I, You know, well, plus spending time in the hospital. But, I mean, you know, we're publishing books. We're getting ready for a radio show weekly. Do I, you get writer's block? Do you get I, you know, I do. Yeah, I, I do occasionally, but I I haven't started on my new book yet because I it's not because I'm blocked. It's because I just don't have time to sit down and really do it. Um, I have to go get antibiotic infusion every day, and that kind of breaks up my day. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it it kind of like puts the kibosh in anything. So, I, but I'm done with that next week. So I think probably next weekend, uh, a week from this going to be Saturday, I'll probably sit down and uh, put out a couple 10, 20 pages and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Good. That'd be great for you. Yeah, for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and for my fans especially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jefferson's chance is only going to go so far, so. Um, we're gonna real quick. We're gonna take another quick break. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. This is the Writer's Block, and right now we're gonna hear a word from Creative Edge Publicity. You know, when Creative Edge Publicity was founded in 2016, they immediately showed they weren't the same as other publicity firms. No. They work closely with their individual clients' needs and goals and push harder to get them noticed. Creative Edge believes that communication is an important part of the partnership, and that model is how they have built their success. They collaborate and work with local, national, and international media outlets and organizations to meet their clients' goals and needs. So Creative Edge, it's your brand and your future. Mickey Mickelson, publicist, www.creative-edge.com. Dot services. Well, we are back. It's uh, now seven forty or six forty-five in the West Pacific Coast, and we are speaking with Ginger Gaffney, a writer from uh, New Mexico, and she has written a book called um, "Well Half Broke." And I kind of, I kind of get a feeling that it wasn't only the horses that were half broke, but it was the people, and it was the writer, yeah. and possibly, um, I'm, I, I don't know, but uh, why don't we have Ginger tell us? Did that yeah, come absolutely. in? Did, was that partly you that was half broken? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, yeah, you'll, you know, the book does get into some of my issues as a child. Well, Quandering about my own gender, about my own sexuality, um, about my extreme introversion, and I, there was a time in my life that I was pretty much half broke. I wasn't, I wasn't using drugs, but I wasn't able, like in my late, mid to late twenties, well, I wasn't able to stay in relationship. I was pretty much hurting everybody I came into contact with, and I wasn't. Um, being honest with anybody I wasn't talking I was like a ghost of a human being and earlier I had dealt with some like anorexia stuff but so when I got to the ranch and I started uh, working with people who had like a lot of habits that I had um, that they didn't know how to make eye contact and they didn't really know how to talk to people uh, I just and then shuffling around and being like in a ghost like the I've had a relationship to that, and for certain, the horses were half broken over there at that ranch, but so were the people, and mm-hmm. the longer I stayed, the more I realized that I saw myself inside inside the people that I was working with, and it was time for me to kind of kind of to let myself, like, re- just to really come to clean with about that, that I was in my 50s, and I still hadn't really cleaned all that stuff up about myself, you mm-hmm. know? Well, it sounds like you did a pretty good job. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, Well, and and, you know, uh, we've been we've been talking to you now for uh, forty seven minutes. You haven't choked once. (laughs) (laughs) You've answered all of our questions. 
uh, quite well, I might say. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I didn't sense any um, reticence. I didn't, you know, you jumped right in, and uh, well, of course, it could have been the wine. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Morgan David some credit here. <laughs> Ginger, with um, like um, a minute maybe that we have left, um, yes. this is a time for such an unusual time in our lives right now. Any um, quick tip for uh, encouraging people to start writing their own memoir or keeping track of maybe what's going on that's different in their lives right now? Yeah, I have been teaching a couple of classes online. Um, and one thing you hear is, you know, I don't, I don't have much to say. You know, my life is been pretty privileged um, compared to what other people are going through. You hear a, a bit of that from white, white, and particularly white women writers. And uh, I would say that every story that you have to say has something to engage all other stories with, that, that nobody's story is more important than anybody else's story. And so that, that should just leave your mind and that writers should write their story because we need everybody's story at this time. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Excellent point. Uh, the writer is uh, Ginger Gafty. Her book is Half Broken. Um, it's a wonderful story about uh, the convicts, the horses, and the writer at a ranch in New Mexico that deals with just that. Uh, thank you very much, Ginger, for joining us. We really appreciate your time, and I hope we didn't uh, didn't bother you too much. <laughs> you didn't bother me at all. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. What a, what a pleasure and a, you know an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, and it was an honor having you. So um, when you get your second book done, um, give the bookie a holler, and we'll get you booked uh, next year for another slot. What do you think? We want to read it. We want to read it. Yeah. I want to read it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm working on it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Ginger, for joining us. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Ginger Gaffney. What a wonderful book that was. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew you would love it. I just couldn't oh. wait for you to read it. <laughs> oh, it was just like, oh, it was like old home for me. Mm-hmm. Next week, when you're gone, we have Russ Wynn with us. And uh, we have writer Ed Willett. He's from Canada. He's a wonderful, wonderful writer. He's kind of a science fiction kind of dude. And uh, he also is a client of Mickey at Creative Edge. So um, he's, he's one of my bows, bros. <laughs> <laughs> so next week is uh, Ed Willett. Uh, so kick together. Bobby Jean, have a great week off. Thank you. And, and uh, God, just, just a wonderful show tonight. I, I just love talking to her. I could have talked to her for another two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Easy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we talked for almost an hour on Tuesday, so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, wonderful, wonderful, and she's she's you know she she gives good fun. So what I kind of say? Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This is Jim Christina for Bobby Jean Bell, Russ Avison, and the Writers Block. We are out of here.